0: We have had an incredible time. Every night has been special. It's been amazing. Sunday we began and just uh, one of the young uh, ladies uh, that was here last night, she, uh, God healed her eyes during the morning service and and nobody laid hands on her. And uh, just the Lord touched her eyes and totally healed in Jesus' name. And she can read the fine print. Uh, And and it was just amazing. And we have seen the Lord touch people. Uh, People were standing in the service and God was touching their bodies, people in their neck, uh, being healed just right in the midst of worship. So if you came in with pain in your body, you do not have to leave with pain in your body tonight just through your worship. And uh, we have been ministering this week. Uh, on free to worship, getting free in our worship. And uh, we, we began in the book of Genesis with uh, Adam and Eve and how uh, the enemy lied to them and the ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says they instantly began to die. And then uh, on Monday night, or was it uh, Monday night, we talked about the fall of man. Tuesday night, we talked about the restoration of man. And because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and His resurrection, that uh, our freedom was purchased. And we stand redeemed, forgiven in Him. And so tonight... Uh, we talked about, you know, on that, that uh, Tuesday night, what is redemption? We went through all those wonderful things and, and what it looks like to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But tonight, and, and what that redemption brought to us, and one of the things we talked about was acquittal, uh, that uh, we have been acquitted of any wrongdoing in our past through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about the finished work of the cross. And so tonight we want to talk about some things It's the establishing of that new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. So, uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to go to some scripture. And my wife tried to simplify some things for me. And so, uh, I'm going to try and use some of her notes. I've got both here, but I also have the hard copy. I got it right here. I got the unabridged version. Yeah, we could be here in the morning. But uh, there are a couple of passages that she left out that uh, I like. And here's the other thing. It's in size 35 print, okay? So I might ought to bring yours down here and put mine up there. There we go. But uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. And so, if you have your Bibles, look at Hebrews chapter 9. And so, the acronym, by the way, the acronym for free, for those of you that are here for the first time, that word free is uh, the fall of man, the F is the fall of man, the R is the, uh, is the uh, uh, redemption of man, uh, and then the first E is the establishing of the new covenant, and that's what we're going to talk about now. And then uh, tomorrow night, we'll finish up with uh, eternal worship. And so, uh, you know, our heart's cry is that people would understand why we worship. And I'm going to come back here and, and establish something. You know, a lot of people think worship is a song or a set of songs. That's our worship service. Uh, back in our denominational days, they called it uh, the call to worship, You remember that? Did you ever get a bulletin where on that bulletin it had at the top of the page, call to worship? And that's what ours said anywhere, anyway. And it, and at the very end, it had the benediction, and they did the doxology. Praise God from whom all. But anyway, and it's a great song, by the way. But how many of you know you can kill any good song? <laughs> it's a fact. You can take the life right out of it. Like uh, some of the old hymns, Becky, uh, come over back to the piano just for a minute, and let's, let's do Revive Us again the way we did it in the Baptist church. All right, can you sing that? Okay. Let me see if I can remember it. Let me see if I can remember it. Okay. Let's see if you can do it. Let me see if I Here we go. Well, take the, take the uh, strings out. So there are no strings. Oh, yeah, Trust right. me. This is a dry old piano. <laughs> for jesus who died and is now gone above hallelujah thine the glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thine the glory revive us again revive us again anyway that's the way we used to do it Mm -hmm. but the way we do it now is hallelujah Find the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. And so they all, I mean, you just, you, you make it, you slow it down just a little bit and so you can actually... Think about what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh-huh. So there are a lot of different songs out yeah, that we, we could do like do. that. Yeah. So we don't want to take the life out of it. We want to bring the life back to it. Because I promise you, those songs were written under the unction of the Holy Ghost. They really were. And, and we love to sit around the piano and take the old hymns and just sing through them. And I'm telling you, they're powerful. They're amazing. Great songs. Yes? Which one? Oh, yeah. How many of you remember, a lady? We could do that, a little bit of that one. You remember uh, Miss Dottie Rambo? Anybody remember that, that precious lady? Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty I do not know just why he came to love me so he. Beyond my fault and saw my needs I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that bought my The old English songs. What's the one that my dad used to love all the time that we used to sing? Um, there, wait- there waits for me a glad tomorrow. This is really old. Where gates of pearl swing open wide. And when I pass this veil of sorrow. I'll dwell upon the other side. When we used to sing about heaven a lot. Someday, beyond the reach of mortal kin, someday God only knows just where or when. I love this. The wheels of mortal life shall all stand still, and I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. That's goldie-oldie. They sang that at my grandfather's funeral in 1963.
1: How many of y'all were alive in 1963?
0: Four of you. Okay, that's enough. Okay, wait. What? So we we always sang about eternity. That's right. And the thing that I remember, the thing that I remember is it gave me hope. I wanted to. I wanted wanted to be there. there. I wanted to see that place. That's right. And I don't think we sing about eternity enough. Enough. Yeah. Because we need that eternal perspective. Come on, somebody. We need that eternal perspective. It's true. And uh, Mm -hmm. so sometimes we have to go back and pick those old songs up. See, my daddy loved those. He loved those old songs. All right. Everybody find Hebrews chapter 9? That's just a sidetrack right there. My daddy would call that chasing a rabbit. Yeah, we love to chase rabbits, don't we? Hallelujah. 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 Okay. Establishing a better covenant. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible tells us what the Old Covenant was based upon. Now, even the first covenant had its own rules and regulations for divine worship. And it had a sanctuary, but one that was made in this world or made by the hands of man. For a tabernacle or a tent was erected in the outer division or compartment of which was the lampstand and the table with its loaves and showbread set forth. This portion is called the holy place. But inside the holy place, the second curtain or the veil, there stood another tabernacle known as the Holy of Holies. It had a golden altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, covered over with gold. The Ark contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron which sprouted and the two stones, the slabs of the covenant, bearing the Ten Commandments. Above the Ark... And overshadowing the mercy seat were the representations of the cherubim, the winged creatures which were the symbols of glory. We cannot now go into detail about these things. These arrangements having thus been made, the priest would enter habitually into the outer division of the tabernacle in performance of the ritual acts, okay? Every day, the high priest would come to the tabernacle, and he would come, and he would, there on the left-hand side, would be the lampstand with the bowls of oil in them and they would come and they would trim the wicks of that lampstand so that there would be no smoke in that outer court there. And then he would go over and he would put fresh loaves of bread on the table of showbread. There would be 12 of them laid there, one for each tribe of the, of the tribes of Israel. And then closest to the Holy of Holies by that big, uh, uh, Curtain there would be the uh, altar of incense, and they would also, you know, the oil, the anoint, precious anointing oil that they had made. They would also keep; they would be, they would keep that that fragrance of that oil, and it would be uh, they would be like a little fire or something underneath it, so that that smell of that incense would be in that place. But then once a year, the high priest would then go past that into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the Lamb that had been slain, that had no spot or wrinkle. And then he would put the blood of that Lamb over the the Ark of the Covenant. And there he would make sacrifice for the children of Israel once a year. And that's what would take place. All right? And he would, uh, let's see here, These arrangements have thus been made. The priests enter habitually into the outer division of the tabernacle in performance of their ritual acts of worship. But in the second division uh, of the tabernacle, none but the high priest goes, and he only once a year and never without taking a sacrifice of blood with him, which he offered for himself and for the errors and sins of ignorance and faultlessness, which the people have committed. But this Holy Spirit points out that the way into the true holy of holies is not yet thrown open as long as the former outer portion tabernacle remains a recognized institution and is still standing seeing that this first outer portion of the tabernacle was a parable a visible uh, a visible symbol or type or picture of the present age in its gifts and sacrifices that are offered and yet are incapable of perfecting the conscience or of cleansing and renewing the inner man of the worshiper. So these were a picture and a type of what would happen when Jesus Christ came and gave his life on the cross, and he shed his blood, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, and he took his blood to the heavenly mercy seat and satisfied the wrath of God forevermore. Never to have to have another sacrifice ever made because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. Verse 10, for the ceremonies deal only with clean clean and unclean meats and drinks and different washings, mere eternal rules and regulations for the body imposed to tide the worshipers over until the time of setting things straight, of reformation of the complete new order, when Christ the Messiah shall establish The reality of what these things foreshadowed, a better covenant. That's where we are today. Jesus has established that better covenant. It is done. It is not going to happen. It is in effect. It is already in effect. The old covenant, the old covenant was the law of rules and regulations for divine worship. And if you didn't do it exactly the way the Lord had given it to Moses, then if you did it wrong, it, it didn't cost you a finger or a toe. You lost your life. You think things are hard. Now you understand why the Muslims still to this day, if, if uh, uh, you cheat on your wife or whatever it is, on that sort of thing, it, it can cost you your life. If you steal something... In the Middle East, they bring you out on Friday at midday and they do severing of a hand so that you can't steal with that hand any longer. I mean, they still, they don't play. Even though they're wrong. But it still shows you how they are still under the old covenant way of doing things. Okay? And so... There are still people, and, and we love them, our brothers and sisters that are the of the Jewish uh, faith. They still go through a lot of these rituals today. They still honor a lot of, of these uh, Jewish uh, celebrations. And, and then we also have, you know, Jewish uh, Messianic Jews that that... have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and they still go through a lot of these these rituals. Now, you can do that if you want to, and and that's wonderful, and I'm not going to beat up on anyone who does that. But can I just tell you today, you don't have to. And there are a lot of Christians that get into a lot of ooey-gooey stuff because they begin to mix and mingle the two together. I'm just sharing that with you. And, and if you love doing those things, I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not complaining. I'm not making fun of anything here tonight. It's just that whenever I believe when Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father and He said, It is finished, He meant what He said. He meant what He said. The old covenant consisted of an earthly tabernacle with ceremonial worship. We don't ever have to enter a building, a a sanctuary and be tied down with religious, religion and tradition ever again. And I'm telling you that many religious institutions want to do that today. They want to keep you in bondage. One illustration is the Catholic Church. To where they still want you to come down to the cubicle and and tell the priest your sin, so that he can uh, uh, absolve you of your of your wrongdoing. You don't have to do that. We have a high priest. Come on, somebody. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us today. The old covenant provided temporary forgiveness. As we saw there in verse 10. So they had to go back through those rituals every year. The old covenant was man's vain attempt to try and reach or, or appease God. The need to bridge the gap. Jesus is our bridge. He is our bridge. We don't have to do anything else. He has already conquered death for us. What happened to abolish the old covenant and to establish the new? We see there in in Hebrews chapter 7, and we can go back and and look at a lot of these verses. But there in in, in 14 and 15, the Bible says Jesus came after the order of a man by the name of Melchizedek. He was a king in the Old Testament. And the reason they said said that was because Melchizedek was just like, there was no record of him being born. And there is no record that he ever died. Now, Jesus Christ was born, but he was born of the Spirit. Yes, he had a natural birth, but it was by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. He was there at creation. When you see in in verse 1 where where uh, we see that the, the, the Spirit of God brooded over the deep. And then God began to speak things into existence. So we see the Holy Spirit at creation. And I believe Jesus was the voice of God speaking things into existence. There with God the Father as things were created. As we talked about on Monday night about creation, where it said in the Bible there in in chapter 3, it says, Let us make man. The Trinity, they were there. And so we see this, for it is obvious that our Lord sprang from the tribe of Judah, and Moses mentioned nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. And this becomes more plainly evident when another priest arises who bears the likeness of Melchizedek. That's why they parallel Jesus with him. Very powerful. When we look at Hebrews chapter 7, if you look down in verse 22, and I'll just skip down to that, in keeping with the earth's greater strength and force, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better, stronger agreement, a more excellent and more advantageous covenant. It's the better way. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's the better way. Let me just take it and say it like this. He's the only way. Take away any doubt. He's the only way. Hallelujah. He is the only way. Throughout the book of Hebrews, we see Christ referred to as our high priest. He is our high priest. And it was important for the writer of Hebrews to connect Jesus Christ with Melchizedek and to use the reference there as high priest when preaching to the Jews because they understood the law. They understood the law. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 8, if you will, and look at verse 6 and 7. And then we will begin to, to move on here a little bit uh, quicker. But as it now is, he, Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry which is as much superior and more excellent than the old as the covenant, the agreement of which he is the mediator, the arbiter, the agent, is superior and more excellent because it is enacted and rests upon more important, sublimer, which is a word in the Bible there, higher and nobler promises. For if that first covenant had been without defect, there would have been no room or need or attempt to institute another one. We wouldn't have needed Christ to come and be our sacrifice. Because under the Old Covenant, they were making sacrifices all the time time, that would absolve them year by year. But knowing, listen, knowing that man could not live up to the law. He couldn't do it. And God made it that way. Wanting him to understand that his total dependence was upon God. There was no way that he could ever do anything good enough. To satisfy the wrath of God and the sin of Adam. Now let's go on over to Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 and 12. We read this, we read it, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago. But I want you to get this in your heart. But that appointed time came when Christ the Messiah appeared as a high priest of the better things that have come and are not to come. Then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not a part of this material creation, he went once and for all, turn to your neighbor and say once and for all, into the holy of holies of heaven, not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, but which is to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release for us. That's what he did. He basically did away with the need of the Old Covenant. Now, we can learn a lot from the Old Covenant. We can learn a lot from what the children of Israel went through and the problems they had and the trouble they got into because they just didn't obey God. Because the blessing of God had been given to to them through Abraham. All they had to do was obey the law, and all of those blessings were theirs. The new covenant provides this. Are you ready? It it abolishes the law, and it establishes this new and better way. That's what it does. And this is what I want you to understand here tonight. This is what I love about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It establishes the tabernacle, the resting place of God, inside the believer, not just inside a building, because this building is just another piece of property A rental space without you. There's nothing holy about this place. It's mortar. It's brick. It's paint. And if you leave it alone, it won't be here in 20 years. Come on, somebody. But the church is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away. But God's church, we're eternal. This earth, one day, God will make it brand new. Come on, somebody. It's going to happen. But first of all, Christ had to come and redeem his bride. And that's what what the new covenant does. It puts the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God on the inside of man. So wherever you go, you're the tabernacle of God. You can have church. That's why when you uh, go on the streets and you go to witnessing and sharing the gospel, the Spirit of God's with you. That instantly becomes a tabernacle, a dwelling place of holy God where you can have church. Did you know? It's amazing. Did you know when we first went to Australia with Pastor Rodney back in uh, 1996 and we were ministering there, it the The pastors of the Assembly of God churches, when Pastor Rodney walked outside that building and laid hands on all those people in the middle of a rainstorm standing 10 people deep looking through the windows because there wasn't enough room inside the building. And they began to fall out of the power of the Holy Ghost in mud puddles. The pastor said, how in the world can God move outside this holy place? And they were serious. Religion is horrible He brought us better promises And He established the tabernacle The resting place of God on the inside Put your hand on your chest The Holy Ghost is in there God is on the inside of you You are a tabernacle You're the temple of the Most High God, all of the articles, all, all, all of the utensils. I don't want to be a, 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 a an instrument, a dirty pot. I don't want to be an instrument. This wood, hay, and stubble that, whenever the fire comes, it's 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 consumed. But I want there to be inside of me gold, silver. Precious stones operating on the inside of me. I want to be an instrument that He can put His glory on. And not just on, but He can put Himself on the inside of me. And not only that, He is is there so He can flow through me. Come on, somebody. This new covenant provides eternal forgiveness. Everlasting life. Not a temporary fix. That's all the old covenant was about was a temporary fix. Had to go through it again. But once we receive Christ, we receive salvation, the new birth. Then we get to enjoy a life of living our life in Him. And the Word coming alive and every day learning to yield our life. Uh, So that he can work through us in a powerful way. It was God reaching down to man to restore fellowship and intimacy. Under the old covenant, only the Levites could come near the cloud and the fire. And only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the glory of God actually dwelt. You know the stories whenever the, 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 the tabernacle ended up in Obed-Edom's house. And King David went to go fetch it. And they reached out there and the men, that they were trying to do a good job. But they touched the ark and the Bible says they instantly died. the rest of the millions on the plain, all the different tribes of the, of the children of Israel. That's why they needed the shofars. That's why they needed the different instruments so that they could deliver to the next ones down the line what was happening in the temple. Everyone else had to worship from way far away. But only under the new covenant. Whenever God put his heart, he put his life, his spirit, who he is, on the inside of us, were we able to come near, come close? Come on, somebody. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19, the Bible says, For the law never made anything perfect, but instead... Better hope is introduced through which we now come close to God. I can come close. I can feel His touch. I can hear His voice. We can feel the breath of God come through a building. The atmosphere totally changed. Uh, What are you waiting on? He's as close as the mention of his name. You might say pastor Joe I just don't know how If you have your heavenly language La machele nimu shkolobaka shele be deste pernia stakan Mele nomo sholobaka shele de bit Marana shele boli etedi biki shele marakasa Oh la manana, Jesus 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 Jesus, Jesus. Because when you mention the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes alongside to bear witness that He is real. Jesus never shows up that the Holy Spirit isn't there with Him. Jesus is not tied to the right hand of the Father. these benefits these privileges when we come in his presence there are benefits that he brings us he drops in our heart. if you look in Hebrews chapter 10 In verse 10, we see that we are made righteous in His sight. That's why we want to keep our hands holy and clean. I don't want to go back to the slop. When I've been forgiven of something, I'm not going to go back from whence I came. It's like slapping the Lord in the face. In accordance, verse, chapter 10 of, uh, of Hebrews, verse 10, it says, In accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ. Consecrated, sanctified, set apart for His use. I've been set apart for His use. The new covenant gives us freedom and confidence. You know why many people really don't believe that the Lord can heal? Many times it's because their conscience condemns them. Well, He wouldn't do that for me because of what I've done. He doesn't look at you the same way you look at you. Come on now. He doesn't look at you the way you look at you. We look in the mirror and we see all the flaws. (laughs) He sees you under the blood. All he sees is that robe of righteousness. That's what he sees. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm free to worship. I'm free to sit at his feet. You are my desire. Lift me higher. I'm free. I'm not, I'm not going to let the world hold me back. If you look at verse 22, it says, Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts. An unqualified assurance, an absolute conviction engendered by faith. When you walk in doubt and unbelief, this whole pandemic thing has been to demoralize and whatever, just bring, bring fear on our nation. To strip the church of faith. And I'm just telling you, in the days ahead, don't be surprised. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to ha- you're going to have to stand up for your faith. There have been others be- behind us that have died for their stand for Christ. I don't know what's happening, but I know this. We're going to have to stand for our faith. And whenever you allow sin in your life, and I'm not here to pick out whatever they are, but you allow the things of the world on your life, it strips you of your faith, your trust, your confidence. It goes. He cleanses us from a guilty conscience. I don't have a a guilty conscience. My faith is in Him. My faith is in Him. The new covenant gives us hope. My hope is not in a vaccine. My hope is in Jesus. If you want to take the vaccine, I have no problem with that. But they're telling us now you're going to have to do it again in six months. My faith is not in a vaccine. My faith is in Jesus Christ. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. My sickness and my disease was nailed to his cross. And I'm going to walk in that healing all the days of my life. Until he says, "Joe, you've breathed your last breath, you've done your last meeting. Now it's time to come home. Ain't no vaccine going to keep me from going home. I'm just telling you. He knows the number of your days, the hairs on your head. My faith is in Him. The new covenant adds the agreement of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the." Holy Ghost, if you look back there in verse 15 of that same chapter, and also the Holy Spirit adds His testimony to us in confirmation for having said, this is the agreement, the testament, the covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after these days, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit adds His agreement to what Jesus Christ did. He bears witness that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. My worship yes. is tied yes. to these things. Yes, that's right, it's like corner posts of my building. Yes. Right. So that when I come into the presence of God and I begin to lift my voice, yes. there's certain things that I expect to happen. Yes, that's right. come on. It doesn't matter where, where you, whether you have faith for that or not. I do. I know what I expect when I come into his presence. That when I open my mouth, heaven falls. That when my wife puts her fingers on the keyboards, heaven falls. It's really not anything we ask for. It's been given to us. It's a part of our gift. It's our ministry to the body of Christ. Others have healing ministries. Others have, have teaching ministries. But ours has to do with worship. And it has to do with our covenant relationship with God, knowing that He put Himself on the inside of the believer. And as we lift Him up, He has promised us that He will inhabit the praises of His people. Are you one of His people? Then when you open your mouth, you can expect yeah. heaven to move in and anything is possible. You, you have to know these things. In most of the church, they come in and they leave the same way they came. Oh, it was a great little beautiful little karaoke service. And the guys did a great job. And then we clapped our hands. The lights were great. The preacher preached a nice little sermon. Everybody left the same way they came. They wouldn't know the move of the Holy Ghost. To them, it's just radical feelings. Now, I, I know that there's some people that, 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 that they take those things and, and here's how you know they respond the same way in every meeting. Ho! Oh, oh. Ho! And maybe it's another one. They always shake. And understand, can be under the Holy Ghost. But I mean the same every time. It's kind of like what Pastor Rodney said whenever he was growing up in church. It was the same two people. And in the same, the Lord would say, same people, same two people. I believe in the prophetic. I believe in the word of the Lord. But whenever you operate and and function under the unction of the Holy Ghost, don't be surprised. Some of you young people, get ready. God's going to begin to speak some things to you in the midnight hours. And you'll prophesy. Yeah, you will. And your parents will go, oh, my goodness. There is a God. Oh, yeah. My kids, I'm telling you, my little Allie, our our grandbabies, I'm telling you right now, they love the glory of God. They love his presence. When we have meetings and they're anywhere to be found, they're the first ones in the altar call. They're the first ones with their hands up and they love the presence of God. You don't even have to call a prayer line. They're just going to be there because they love the presence, the agreement of the Holy Ghost. The new covenant provides complete forgiveness through His blood as confirmation of his covenant. And this is what I love. In Ephesians chapter 1, you ready? The new covenant gives us power over the enemy. I'm going to say this with all love. Don't tell me you're a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, worshiper, Pentecostal, and you still struggle. With drug addiction, pornography, I just go down a list. Because he empowers you to be free. He empowers you to be free. People say, well, the devil made me do it. No, you did it on your own. You made a choice to go down that path. You made a choice. To do those things. You made a choice. To have an affair. You made a choice. Not to do business the right way. I'm just telling you. devil didn't make you do it. The devil. Beelzebub. Lord of the flies. Did you know he can't be but in one place at one time? Did you know that? As, pa- as our pastor friend says, I really doubt seriously if the devil, Beelzebub, is actually in America. All it takes is one of his demons that's paralyzed from the neck down, stick demon. It's all it took for you to be taken. And those things begin to happen in your life. We have authority. And all you have to say is No. Get out of here. I'm not doing that. That's all you have to say. I have authority. And if you don't know how to do that, just scream as loud as you can. Jesus! Well, I got in a car, and we were on a date, and we were kind of by ourselves over here, and it was real dark, and he was real handsome, you know, na, 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 All you got to do, sweet lady, is go, Jesus! I'll shut it down real quick. (laughs) Or you can do this, carry your Bible with you on the date. And put it right between you and him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are ways. (laughs) Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, my wife said, let's go on. Look at verse 19, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power, in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above. Turn your neighbor. And say far above. All rule and authority and power and dominion. Remember, we started off. Adam was given dominion in the garden. And when he sinned, he handed that dominion over to Satan. It took Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection for that dominion to be handed back to us. Look at this. For above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred. Not only in this age, but in this world and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. So he gave us back our dominion in this world. People do not take hold of these things. And they allow the enemy to beat them up and bash them. They don't think they can enjoy life uh, everlasting and and to the fullness until they get to heaven. In the sweet by and by. And they mock those that preach faith, provision. Let me just tell you. Yes, people can, can go to an extreme on anything. You go to the Philippines and during uh, uh, Easter there will be people that will put a crown of thorns and allow someone to beat it down on their head. And then they'll take this thing that looks like a cat of nine tails and they'll walk through the streets beating themselves on the back. There will be people that will take a vow of poverty. To prove something. But Christ took care of all of that so that you and I could have everything that heaven has to offer. That's right. That's right. Everything. That's right. Thank you, Lord. There's not a shortage in heaven. Come on, somebody. There's not a shortage in heaven. There in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he speaks of all of the blessings of God that are ours through the seed of Abraham. Blessed in every area of your life. How many of you still have a little bit of room in your storage barns? I'll still have room in mine. Not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things, turn to your neighbor and say all things, all things, under his feet. And has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church a headship exercised throughout or through the church. That headship is now a part of our life. There's always the under-shepherd, the pastor of the church, but he looks to the church as a whole, and he looks to us to take authority. When we come together and we worship, it should sound like, We're in charge. Come on, somebody. You should lift your voice. It's not about how beautiful you sing. It's the fact that I'm lifting my voice and what that song declares, I will declare it. With the top of my lungs, I am joining the head of the church and I will declare. Hallelujah. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Don't tell me you have a lack in any area for anything. Because the Bible just said there in the book of Ephesians that because of what he did and what he purchased for us, he put all of that on the inside of us. So how do we tap into it? We yield. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. It has to do with eternal worship. It has to do with knowing that, listen, we're going to live forever. We're just going to take off this old earth suit, and we're going to take on that glorified body. We're just going to step over. We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about somebody taking our life. It just takes us closer to what we were made for. Problem is, most people think, and that's the thing about youth, is we think we're going to live forever. When you're young, you don't think you'll ever die. I'm 66 years old. Two-thirds of my life, more than likely, are already in the past. Gone. The Bible says, our life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while. And then soon it vanisheth away. And in the eyes of eternity, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So let's see. Let's say we live to 100. Let's say we live to 90. That's about an hour. You're here on this earth about an hour in God's time? not long. <laughs> the men of old they said this this you know. This earth is not my home. I'm a stranger passing through. I want you to understand that you have on the inside of you better promises. Don't let your past hold you back. No matter what happened in your family back in the day or your ancestors or whatever. You may have come from Jesse James stock. Who cares? I'm serious. doesn't matter. One moment in the glory of God, your DNA changes, and instantly you're a part of the family of God, and everything God died for, everything that Christ died for and was raised for, as he sits at the right hand of heaven, he's put that on the inside of you, and all you have to do is tap into it. That's it. And our worship, our worship is an expression that those things are active. Our worship is only a sign that those things are active in our life. when you open your mouth, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard uh, somebody, this is one of my pet peeves, is when we have our award shows on television, okay, and, and some secular artist decides they're going to do this song that might have a little bit of some kind of, of soulful feel to it, and they bring out the choir, thinking that people are so stupid. That and then they, and at the end of it, they go, we just had church. I want to go, no, you didn't. You wouldn't know church if it bit you in the butt. You wouldn't know church. There, wasn't no, there was no anointing on that at all. It was just a little soulful yare ra ray. That's it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you saw the Country Music Awards just here a while back when you saw Carrie Underwood and CeCe Winans? Just go Facebook or whatever that is. So go YouTube that. Carrie Underwood with CeCe Winans. O-M-G. They had church. So much church that the guys didn't even know what to say. They, they couldn't even respond because they were struck dumb. When heaven shows up, the atmosphere changes. And those that don't know church instantly are convicted Why? Because heaven rolls in the room. And they instantly have to make a response. Yes or no? That's what it comes down to. That's why in this house, I prophesy, there's worship will flow from this place. Thank God for what we have, and we are using the tools that we have. But I prophesy by the Holy Ghost that God's going to raise up Teams of musicians, psalmists, people who carry the glory of God. And when people walk through those doors, they will instant be, instantly be under conviction. It won't always end pretty because they have a choice. There are going to be moments whenever they're not ready. And they will be under such conviction, they won't be able to stay. And that's a hard thing for preachers who love people and want them to make the right. But we can't make them make the right decision. But when God shows up, and when we come, listen to me. When we come ready to worship, when we come having been worshiping through the week, and we step into this place, and those songs begin to arise, and we tap in. There is an exponential explosion of God's power. We don't have to stir the congregation up. We don't have to wait till the third song, till everybody, you'll start coming early because you don't want to miss worship. I prophesy by the Holy Ghost, it's going to happen. You know why? Because you make room for it. You make room for it. Who wants to be a part of that? Who wants to be a part of that? We don't have to wait because it's already inside you. You are already a tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. Just lift your hands right where you are. Just right where you're sitting, right there. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I yield. Lord, I ask you to reveal to me who you are. Thank you, Lord. That, Lord, thank this new covenant, you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. this life yes. in you, yes, Lord. that, Lord, it would arise yes. on the inside yes, of Lord. me. It'll make you a better dad. It'll yes. make you a better mom, yes. son you, or daughter, grandma grandpa, right. aunt or uncle, a better businessman or yes. woman. Yes, amen. Whenever you perceive that everything that you do, yes, Lord. He is in mind. And what he has done. That you are a carrier of this authority. You are a carrier of this glory. You are a carrier of this power. And it's the devil that has to move out of the way. I'm not going to be intimidated by the crowd. Antifa? who are they? A bunch of ruly kids, unruly kids that have been paid to wreak havoc. They have no authority in the kingdom realm. They have to bow their knee just like every other devil. If that spirit is not of God, When we walk in the room and we begin to lift up Jesus, every knee of the enemy has to bow, no matter what they look like. Here's the neat thing. Jesus loves them enough to give them an opportunity to know His presence. That's why church can't always be on the inside of a building. We have to go where they are. They have to know that this glory of God that abides in us can make the difference in their lives.